the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Once again, welcome to Morrison Hill and welcome to the new year. Happy New Year. It's exciting to see that page turn on a paper calendar or see the, the screen swipe on a digital calendar or whatever it is that you're using these days. It's fun to see that. But it's always important that we notice where we are because we live in the moment. This is something we looked at last week. We've looked at it several times, but this is just reality. We live in the moment. We can't go back and change the past. We can build on it. We can learn from it. We can move on from it, but we can't change it. We can't have control over the future or even the past. We don't have full control. We never will. But we can make wise choices in the present if we do what we've been doing last week and what we're doing today. And that is we take pauses, deliberate pauses to look around, to look back, to look forward, to refocus on what's most important and make choices in the here and now based on what we've learned, based on where we know God is leading us. That's what we're trying to do. If you were here last week, awesome. If you weren't, I hope that you go back and check it out online because it's a foundational truths that we're looking at. This is kind of a meta sermon. If you, if you, if you know what meta means, it means we're literally talking about what we're talking about. We're talking about Morrison Hill in Kingston, Tennessee in 2020 and 2021. But we're also talking about something that's bigger than that. It's timeless. Years from now, God willing, you're going to look back at this and you're going to go, oh, I remember remember that Sunday. I remember when we talked about that. That thing is still true. It doesn't just apply to that moment in time. This is real. This is how we handle life. So again, real quick for last time, just to make sure we, we got this. When we look back, it's important to lament the bad stuff. And to lament is to throw all the bad stuff at the feet of Jesus. And by bad stuff, once again, I mean all the actual bad stuff, the actual disease, the actual pain, the actual problems, the actual bad things that happen to us, and all of the emotions around it, all of the fear, all of the doubt, all of the anger, all the other things that make it even worse. We throw all of that big, hot, steaming mess at the feet of Jesus. And then we rejoice that he's big enough to handle that. We rejoice that there's still stuff beyond all that terrible stuff that we can rejoice about and that he is big enough to bring good stuff even out of the bad. And we remember together that he will remember us and remember us in the biblical sense, which means he will act on his love for us. He will act on the promises he's made for us. He will focus on those things once again in a way that we can tell. And then, as we look back, as we look around, we also look forward. And that's where we're going today. This is about foresight. Foresight means looking forward. And not just looking forward, but looking forward in a way that you're expecting to gain wisdom. You're expecting to invest more wisely. You're investing in the future in a way that makes as much sense as possible based on where you are and where you've been so far. To live strategically. It's the same principle as when athletes train and they watch the tapes of their opponents to see how they play and learn, see if they can figure out any specific things that they can do to, to beat that specific team. It's, it's musicians practicing over and over and over again until it's actually easier to, to get it right than it is to mess up. Because you've done it right so many times in a row. It's, it's that kind of living. There's no guarantees. You can still mess up. 
I messed up this morning. I've been playing those songs for a long time. They, thank God they weren't huge mistakes, but there were some mistakes. Maybe you picked up on them. But the thing is, there's no control. But you're, if I just got up and just winged it, it'd just be crazy. Is this making sense? Are we good so far? This is all the foundational stuff, but this is where we're going. This is why we look forward. It's another way to look at it is what Jim Collins calls the Stockdale Principle. You've probably heard me mention this several times over the years. If not, I want to refresh your memory. Admiral James Stockdale was the highest ranking officer in the Hanoi Hilton, which was the worst POW camp in Vietnam. And so on top of all the pressure, on top of all the torture, on top of everything else that everyone was facing in there, he also had the added responsibility to set an example to do his best to bring the rest of his team through the experience. What's striking and amazing about Admiral Stockdale is he was successful in this. Everybody in his team, including himself, on the other side of some of the most horrific things you could ever experience, just went back to their families and went back to work and carried on with life. And people ask him years later, how in the world did you face that? People were going insane. People were killing themselves to get out of this. And he said, no, I'll tell you, here's my secret. Never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality. You know, read that one more time and then explain exactly what he meant because there's so much goodness in here. He said, never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality. To him, prevailing meant they're not going to break me. They're not going to break my spirit. They're not going to destroy my faith in myself, in my country, in my family. They're not going to destroy who I am. Maybe they'll kill me, but I will die me. I will die faithful to America. I will die faithful to everything I believe in. They might kill me, but then the pain is over and I still won. Or maybe someday this whole thing will be over, but I get to go home and I get to go on with my life. And they did not ruin it for me. One way or another, I'm going to prevail. With the but you can't confuse that faith with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality. Admiral Stockdale said the people that went crazy, the people that killed themselves, the people that just were completely just crippled by PTSD the rest of their life were the people that had fantasies about it all. They said, you know what, maybe they'll rescue us by Christmas. And Christmas would come and go and nobody got rescued. Well, maybe by New Year's, maybe by Groundhog Day. And, and, and time after time after time, they're disappointed by things they just made up in their own head. And it drove them crazy. He said, no, I, I, they're not going to beat me. They're not going to crush me one way or another. Meanwhile, I'll probably get beat up today. Meanwhile, I'm going to probably not eat for a while. Meanwhile, this is where I am right now. And that's the kind of mentality where you actually get somewhere. And as we look around, as we look back, and as we look forward this morning, there, there, there are still a lot of hard times. There's several people in our church that are on quarantine right now. There's a lot of people that are sick. There are a lot of people that are going through a lot of hard times that had nothing to do with COVID-19 or 2020 at all. It just happens to be the year that someone they love died. Or, or it just happens to be the time that this particular thing happened. It's not just because there's some magical, terrible thing about 2020 or 2021 it's just it's just it's just life 
It's where we are. But all of that is where we are right this second. And to not face that brutal reality, the pain, the loss, the things that really can tear us up, is, is to just be idiots. And that is not God's will for us. But he knows that there are things that transcends those things. He knows that there are things that we, as we trust in him, there are ways to beat that. We can prevail in the end. We spent quite a bit of time looking at some of the 40 seasons in the Bible and talking about how those things worked. Uh, at the end of the 40 years, when the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness, at the end of those 40 years, they were prepared. They were looking back, but not just to waller around in the pain of those 40 years, but looking back and say, hey, God actually took care of us even then. Guess what he's going to do when we start obeying him as we enter the promised land? When Jesus was done with the 40 days in the wilderness, he not only could look back on his victory over the devil, his victory over his own body, but he was able to just step right into his new role, declare himself to be the Messiah and start his ministry. And that is where we're starting officially for real today. This is, the, this is how we have biblical foresight. The first step is to forget what is behind and just like remember, it's not so much about a thought crossing your mind in the scripture, but about actually acting on a thought, acting on a decision, acting on a promise. In the same way, forget is not about that you're incapable of that thought crossing your mind again. It's that you refuse to let that thing drive the train anymore. The choices that you are making, you are putting those things in the back ground. Whether you have forgiven someone and now you're just choosing to treat them as if they hadn't done those things to you. Whether you are just building on whatever you went through, good or bad, but you're saying, yeah, but here I, I live right here in the here and now. To forget what is behind is, is not so much that you never can remember it again. It's that you're owning where you are now to still get where you're going. Some of the people that I really admire and I, I watch YouTube videos and stuff like that are people who are amputees. People that have, for one reason or another they've lost a limb but then kept going. Some of these people with prosthetic legs, some of them two prosthetic legs can run faster than I'll ever be able to run and they compete in the Special Olympics. That just blows my mind. Do you think they remember whatever happened to them? Is it possible that it crosses their mind? Sure. But they are forgetting what is behind in the biblical sense because they're going, yeah, but you know what? I got these legs now. Watch this. I'm still a runner. Does that make sense? You guys, is this, I hope this is connecting. This is how this works. Jesus taught us to pray this way. He taught us to daily reconnect with God and with everybody else who's reconnecting with God by daily focusing on where we are, what's Dealing with the past, looking forward, asking God to make his will happen on earth, especially wherever we're involved, the way it happens in heaven. It's in Matthew chapter 18, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Matthew 18, Peter comes to Jesus and he's talking about this issue of forgiveness. He says, how many times do I have to forgive someone? And Jesus' answer is kind of cryptic. 77, 70 times, 7. But basically what he's saying is, so many times that it's irrelevant. You're not actually keeping track anymore. You've actually put it in the past. It's not that you can never remember that thing again. But if you only forgive them, quote unquote, seven times, you still, it's still, you're still counting. By 77 or 70 times 7, you've moved on. 
So when we forgive, and, 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 and oh, I forgot, I got to tell you the story. At the end of Matthew 18, Jesus actually tells him a story to make this happen. It's one of the scariest stories in the scripture. I told it to you not long ago. I want to remind you one more time. He said a king had a servant that owed him more money than he could ever pay back. And then he forgave that debt. The servant then went out and refused to forgive the debt of someone who owed him just a little bit. And so the king calls him back in and says, okay, I don't forgive you then. Had he really forgotten the debt? Think about that for a second. Was he incapable? Was the king incapable of remembering it again? No. He had just chosen not to hold it against him in that moment. But when the guy didn't do what he expected him to do, he still remembered. And he was able to change gears. This is the scary part. This is the moral of the story according to Jesus. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Forgiveness is hard, y'all, but as you start this new year or any new year or any new week or any new day, I encourage you to forgive anybody that you are holding something against. If you want God to forgive you, if you want him to be able to flow through you, you need to be able to let that stuff go. As hard as it is, as crazy as it is, it's real. But you've got to be able to conquer that, face that brutal reality as well as not give up the faith that you will prevail in the end. This idea of starting over throughout the scripture, we're going to fast forward through a couple, but I hope you see this, and then we're going to keep on going through these very practical ways to look forward. Acts 2.38, how to come to Christ in the very beginning. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That and so many other places like that. This is where we, we start over. In God's mind, we actually get to start over, start fresh. We are born again. That's what it means to forget what is behind. Yet yet we build on everything that happened before that. Paul, for example. Remember Paul before he became a Christian? Paul was persecuting the church. Was he incapable of remembering that fact? Was everybody else incapable of remembering that fact? No, he built on it. And he reminds them, you used to be defined by your sin, but you're not anymore. Ephesians 2, Paul writes this. As for you, you were dead. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace we have been saved. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. This is where you were. This is where you are. This is where you're going. Live accordingly. Hebrews 8.12 uses all of these in the same sense. It's a lot easier to understand when we have this stuff fresh in our minds. He says, God says, for I will forgive their wickedness, put it behind me, And I will remember their sins no more. He's not saying it's incapable of crossing my mind again. He's saying this is not something I'm going to hold against them anymore. I'm not going to act on this. I'm not going to focus on this. We're going to move on together. They get a fresh start, a clean 
slate. Philippians 3, Paul is writing again. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. There's still valuable things in his life? Yes. Still things he cares about, worries about? Yeah. But nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing compares to what he's living for in that moment and looking forward to in the future. So we forget what is behind. We're also going to strain toward what is, we, we, we'll strain toward what is ahead. But before we say that, I want to say this phrase together. I've seen this a lot. I've tried my best to... It's a, Go ahead and put it up if you would, the next slide. I've tried my best to find the source of this quote. I don't know where it started. I've seen it worded a lot differently. But I'd like you to say this out loud with me this morning. We're going to make this proclamation of truth together. Ready? We haven't come this far just to come this far. Do you hear that? Let's say that one more time. We haven't come this far just to come this far. If you have ever tried to run a long distance or hike a long distance, you know what it means to hit the wall. There's a moment when no matter how fit you are and how many times you've run that distance, your body goes, you know what, that's enough. We're good. 24 miles is good. That's pretty impressive. Let's go home. And you go, oh, no, no. No, we're going to go a little bit further. And then that, there's what's called the runner's high. It's a moment where you, you beat that and you, you, you get a second wind. It's called a bunch of different things, but it's a real experience. And whether you're hiking or running or whatever you do, suddenly you've got all this energy and you sprint across the finish line where you could have given up quite a while back. This is what we experience. This is how this works. We say, we have not come this far just to come this far. We forget what is behind that means we just set it aside to focus on where we are right this minute. We don't go, hey, I've already gone 24 miles. Look at me, I'm awesome. We say, i got two more miles to go. Let's get this thing done. We strain toward what is ahead. Would you say that out loud with me? We strain toward what is ahead. Here's how you get stronger. We get stronger when we deliberately and relentlessly try to exceed our present limitations. When we create cycles of work and rest and refueling and we stick to those cycles, we make those things happen. For Christ followers, this specifically includes Bible study, prayer, fellowship, giving, and all the other spiritual disciplines. These things have to be part of our lives. They're unconditional. They're part, it's what it means to follow Jesus, regardless of the other circumstances around us. And when we do that, we get stronger. Another phrase, it's not on the screen, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Ever heard that? Except bears, they always just kill you, right? I think, I think that's the thing people like to add to that one. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's true. If you're still here, you survived 2020. You did it. And you did not come this far just to come this far. And by the way, let me remind you again as we get ready to really focus on the front uh, forward here, some good things happened this year too. There were some people in this church that got married this year. That was pretty good. There was a lot of good stuff happening this year. There was a lot of wonderful things. It wasn't just bad. But we have not come this far just to come this far. We're forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. 
Part of how we do that is individual, and part of it, a huge part of it, is our need for each other. This is what Peter is talking about when he says we must be alert and of sober mind because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you ever watched a documentary about how this works, but they don't pick out the wildebeest in the middle of the herd. They pick, we got a picture of this one too, if you could show that. Yeah, here we go. They don't pick out the, the ones in the middle. They, don't pick, they, they pick out the ones at the back. They pick out the stragglers, the ones that have separated themselves from the rest of the herd. It's so important that we stay together. It's so important that we stay connected. Whether that has to happen on, online or any other different, whatever it takes, we've got to stay connected to God and each other or we are suddenly vulnerable to our enemy who is always prowling around seeking whom he may devour. Paul writes this to Timothy. And again, we're going to fast forward again, but this is what it means to be strong. This is how you get stronger. This is how you strain toward what is ahead. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. In other words, don't get distracted by the stuff that's not your most important priorities. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Paul writes this in Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 2 Corinthians 5. So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not. Listen. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is what it looks like when we forget what is behind and we strain to what is forward. And this is how we get stronger. Now, somebody gave me this really cool visual. I want to share it with you uh, this week. Uh, they said that uh, as we look forward, we should imagine our church as an old-time tent for a tent revival. And they didn't really mean that we should have really uncomfortable folding chairs or, or, or that we shouldn't have a campus. What they meant was the walls are gone. Are you with me? We're not tied to one location and, and everybody can see in and there it is. That's what we need to do. Remember the Wizard of Oz? Remember that scene where uh, Toto starts pulling back the curtain and the wizard is going, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But suddenly that experience of the curtain being torn away, up till that he had just been obsessed with trying to look like a wizard, trying to look powerful. But he really was just a, a humbug as he called it. He was just, he wasn't anything really. But in those last couple moments of the story, for the first time ever, he'd actually helped somebody because he was himself and he was real. He was doing what he could do to help. I don't think we've been faking it. I don't think we're, we've been humbugs. I'm not saying that. Please don't misunderstand me. But when we tear back the curtain and we just say, hey, everybody, come on in. 
Just join us. You'll see us make mistakes and you'll see us repent for those and move on. You'll see us get some things right and you'll hear us give the credit to God because that strength comes from him. But come on in. Join us. The water's fine. That's going to change everything. And here's some things that we can look forward to in this next year. Here's some things, some specific things and also some specific attitudes and goals that I want you to know. This is where Morrison Hill is going. And we're hoping all of you guys, all of you guys are on board because this is where the train is heading to. First off, we are going to focus more than ever before on true discipleship. One of the things that happened in 2020 was the idea of relying, having an idol called attendance and numbers. That idol got bashed. It got destroyed. It's gone. Everybody who's left, whether you join us online or hearing them read, you're here because you actually really care. You care about Jesus and you care about his word and you care about this body and you care about doing what's right. You're here because it matters to you. Praise God, we need more people doing that. All the people who don't care, when it got hard, they're just gone. And that's around the world. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying that's how it is. That's, that's, that's what's going on. But the people are still here. So everybody who's still here, guess what? We're going to aim at the bullseye of becoming true disciples. Jesus' dream was never that we just show up. His dream was that we become disciples. Are you with me? Every single thing about our lives is going to revolve around Jesus. We are going to focus no matter what. We face, no matter how much harder or easier it gets, we're going to focus on still creating small groups, on evangelizing, on expanding. We're going to expand our online ministry. We're going to expand our in-person ministry. We've got new Bible studies that are starting up. One of them is exclusively online. It's called Love Like You Mean It. We've got several other things that are going to be either just in person or in person and online. Stuff on Sundays, stuff on Wednesdays. There's going to be a Financial Peace University thing that's going to happen. One whole team will just be online. One whole team will be in person. We'd like to help people start to understand how to live God's way when it comes to money and how to break free from debt and the other things that keep us needlessly trapped in those areas of our lives. Our children's ministry is going to keep investing the way they have in not just themselves, but in other organizations, Family Promise, the police, uh, Samaritan's Purse, and uh, Camp, Smoky Mountain Christian Camp, and so many more. They're going to keep serving. The Hill, the teenagers are going to keep serving. They're going, uh, the whole church is going to be serving together. Every single month we've got one day where we meet in the morning and the rest of the day we just serve. We don't even have Sunday night services those days. We serve the community. This is going to be part of the rhythm of our lives. All of our events, all of our lessons, all of our strategies will be trying to make disciples. Not just trying to get people to show up. That was never our goal anyway. But more than ever before, we're going to have that bullseye always painted right there really clear. It's always going to be in the crosshairs of every single thing we do in 2021. Are we making disciples who make disciples? Are we following the Great Commission? If that is happening, the thing's a win. If that's not happening, it's not. Are you with me? This is what 2021 can look like. But we've got to do it together. And when you live with an outward focus like this, when you live constantly trying to reach out, you can do that without fear. Peter and John had been already been beaten up and threatened and imprisoned before they went in Acts chapter 3 to the temple to pray. It says one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. 
still very, very public, still participating in the Jewish times of prayer, still out there with all their fellow Jews, still doing the stuff that they could do. They just had a fresh perspective. They knew the Messiah. And in that moment is when they healed somebody. The, the beggar said, hey, do you have any money? And Peter says, we actually don't, but we can do you one better. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the guy stands up and walks. How many remember this story? You got this one? Heard this one? You sing a song in junior church about it? You guys, come on, I know you know this one. Raise your hand. Don't mess with me. <clears throat> when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. We're not faking it. We're not creating shows. We're not creating an illusion. We're taking, taking the love out to people. That's what's happening this year. And they're going to see it. And they're going to be drawn to that. And that's what it means to press on toward the goal to win the prize. Everybody say that with me. Press on toward the goal to win the prize. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. One more time, here's how you get stronger. When you refuse to give up, when you completely focus on specific goals, not how you feel, not how far you've come, not how hard that was, not how hard it looks on the other side of the mountain you're climbing right this minute, on the goal that you're trying to reach. When you rely on God's strength and wisdom instead of your own, that's how you get stronger. When you make His priorities and His ways your own, priorities and your own ways no matter the circumstances that's how you get stronger that's how things change that's how you're actually literally able to forget what is behind and to strain toward what is ahead and to actually focus on a goal no matter what else might be trying to distract you first corinthians 6 verse 9 to 11 is a passage we often come back to because it's got a list of sins in it and people like to remind each other don't forget this sin is on there I did something like that not too long ago. I think it's appropriate. It's a list. We've got to remember they're all on there, even the ones that we like or that somebody we love likes. They're all on there. But I'm not even going to read the list this morning. There's just a little ellipsis there, dot, dot, dot. We're going to read around it because I want you to hear the heart of this passage. Paul says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers, in other words, people who identify themselves by their sin. Hey, I'm a liar. Deal with it. I'm just going to tell lies sometimes. I've always been this way. Sorry. I, I'm an angry person. I don't know what to tell you. I get angry. You're just going to have to deal with it. That's who I am. Any, anything on that list, if you identify yourself, that is a wrongdoer. That's what that's talking about. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? But listen to the heart. We're going to skip the list of what a wrongdoer is. Listen. That is what some of you were. But you were washed you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You are new. You have started over. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life, that means way more than just you've accepted him into your life as a part of your life. That means you have surrendered the whole thing to him and you are becoming a different person. Your identity has already changed. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, all of that is being transformed as you go. 
And here's the passage that I've been quoting from this whole time. The outline comes from this. Philippians 3. Listen to Paul's humility. Listen to him facing the brutal facts... But not letting the brutal fastness distract him from his faith that he will prevail in the end. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Here, let me explain what that last line means. It means... We have not come this far just to come this far. Will you say that with me one more time? We have not come this far just to come this far. There's a reason that we're still a church. There's a reason that we're still alive. There's a reason that we still have a chance to do something that matters in this world. That matters not just in our church, but in our community and in our state and in our nation and in this world. There's a reason that we're still here. There's a reason that we have not all died of COVID or been arrested for something or whatever else. There's a reason that we have freedom. There is a reason that we have the ability to look into God's word today, to look back and look forward at the same time and go, okay, we're going to make some choices. We're going to make some choices that are going to get us where we need to go. That's what I'm calling you to do today. One very specific one I'd love for you to make, if you look at the bulletin insert at the bottom, there are two choices for a daily Bible reading. I'm challenging literally every one of you, little kids all the way up to the oldest adults here. I want you to read through the Bible this year. One of those links has a whole bunch of choices. The one that says the Bible Project. I want you to look at that one. I really recommend that. I did it last year. I'm going to do it again this year. It, it takes you through some cool little videos that really unpack a lot of stuff. And also gives you some questions to think about. Really, really cool stuff. And it takes you through the whole Bible. It's not the only option. But I want us, I want us to really know this. You've got to read the Bible, right? Everybody knows that. You've heard this, right? Let's do it. Let's get it done. You've got to share the gospel, right? Everybody knows this? Let's do it. Let's get it done. You've got to connect with people. Whatever it takes, you've got to connect. Let's do it. Let's get it done. We've got to build the kingdom of God. We've got to live like we are the followers of Jesus, like we are the citizens of the kingdom more than anything else. Let's do it. Let's get it done. I don't know what the first step is for you, but the first step is what I'm asking you to make this morning. I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, I will get it done. Lord, I will take that first step. We're going to stand, we're going to sing. And maybe, maybe there's somebody here today that's never given your life to Jesus in the first place. Or maybe you, maybe you said the words at some point. You prayed a prayer or even got baptized at some point, but you never really completely surrendered. Well, if you didn't completely surrender, you missed something really important. You missed the whole thing. This is your chance. Or maybe you've taken the reins back a little bit. 
This is your chance to give it all back to Jesus. Maybe you just need prayer. We're going to have some people at the back. If you come forward to kneel, some people like to do that. They'll come join you there. They will pray with you. Whatever you need to do. But as we start this new year, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Focus on the bullseye, the new bullseye we've been given. And that is we are going to be the disciples of Jesus. Whatever that costs, whatever that looks like, however much harder or easier that becomes in this next new year, we are going to get the job done. If you want to come with us, you are all invited and I am begging you to bring all your friends with you. Right now, let's stand, let's sing, let's make our commitment to do this together.